Welcome to On the Fable. I'm Dorothy, and I'm here with a wonderful group of Christian women to discuss the issues of the day. Much like we did in the old days around the kitchen table when the kids were in school. The call-in number is 646-595-4784. You want to call in with a question or a prayer request. Press 1 to raise your hand in the queue. Our contact email is on the table VC at hotmail.com. Now, we may not all agree all of the time, but isn't that half fun? Different perspectives coming from different experiences and learning from each other. I love to share and join us on this most excellent adventure in the reality of Christianity. Let's just see what's on the table tonight. Welcome to the table. We're going to have an excellent interview tonight with Gary Hoffman and Doug Woodward about their latest book. Uh, and Pam and Roz are both here. Hi, Pam. Hi, Roz. Hi. Hi. Uh, and welcome to the program, Mr. Hoffman. Thank you. Glad to be here. And Mr. Woodward, you're welcome as well. Howdy, thank you. That's an Oklahoma howdy. (laughs) So would you, Doug, would you like to start with an opening prayer for the program? I would would be privileged to, thank you, sure. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together, to share ideas. We thank you for this uh, technology that allows us to, uh, although we are far apart, to be together. And uh, we pray that our conversation will be a blessing to all those that listen and that will be uplifting and will glorify you, Lord. And uh, we pray these things and put all these things uh, in your hands, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Now, what I was thinking, I don't know if you you guys have something different in mind, but I, I was thinking maybe you could... Start out with a little bit of a synopsis, um, mm-hmm. and and um, maybe tell us why you think the glory, the revealing of the glory, is so important, and to then take it sure. from there. Sure. Well, um, first off, what? Um, oh, that, I'm glad we get this out of the way. Domino's is delivering a pizza to, to my wife, and, and so uh, you can hear. You can hear my dog, who's, who's actually 
the best the best uh, doorbell that one could actually have. So, uh, so nevertheless, so I'm glad we got that done. At least that didn't happen during our prayer. So, uh, um, let me do this, well, Gary. What, why don't we introduce ourselves and, and talk just a minute about each of ourselves? Gary, since I've got a barking dog, I'm going to put myself on mute. Why don't you give them a minute or so about your background, and, and uh, I'll do the same, and then we'll kind of jump in. Okay, sure. Uh, so, man, man's best doorbell, huh? Um, <laughs> he just wants well, some pizza. Oh, only yeah. Doug. That's all I have to say. Only Doug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I'm, I'm pretty good at, at you know, ad-libbing, you know. <laughs> So, um, a bit about me, is that what I'm doing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I I grew up out here in Montana, close to Great Falls, in a very small town on a farm. Um, and, uh, you know, now I'm married and, and I have seven kids. <laughs> so, that's a long story short. Um, lots of grandkids, but... Um, Oh, and by the way, we just had a big earthquake last night that uh, we that woke us up. I don't know if you read about that or heard about that. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. you're pretty close news. to Yellowstone, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, we're close to Yellowstone, but we're even closer to where this earthquake uh, was the epicenter, I guess you call it, whatever, in Lincoln, Montana. So um, we felt mm. it uh, woke us up, and it was pretty interesting. Um mm didn't knock anything off of our shelves or anything though but anyway um good so i have um see i grew up in a methodist church originally and um from there kind of went from there to uh, non-denominational churches and um but it was way way back should i tell a little bit about the Beginnings of where I started on this <laughs> study. Well, yeah, you might just tell the tell the little story uh, that you do in the in the preface about um, you know kind of where you got got into this. That's because that's kind of the that's where the ideas began. So that's a good yeah. Thing. I'll, I'll try to make it short and sweet. Um, yeah. So I, as it turned out, I was uh, I, I went to this Bible study. And, you know, I didn't really know these people, uh, but we I ended up going to this Bible study where the uh, guy was uh, teaching about the, you know, what he basically called the third experience, you know, and he called it the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, so, you know, I now that I look back on it, I mean, we can talk about the some of the the things that this has gotten into going going off the rails, but now that I look back, this this study was probably done in kind of a uh, latter rain movement, uh, manifested sons of God kind of a setting. But I didn't know anything about that. I just went to one Bible study, and so I started looking at that. No, I was pretty young. I was I was nineteen or twenty. But I started looking at that, and I and I just saw that, that uh, what he said about the pattern seemed to be really uh, true, and and to be some sort of a uh, pattern leading to something, you know. And um, so that's what started off, and you know, looking at 
the um, the the past the three feasts, the Passover and then Pentecost and then the Feast of Tabernacles, um, seems to be a a pattern that fulfilled in Jesus and the Church, whereas the Feast of Tabernacles hasn't quite been has not been fulfilled yet. So I started studying that and finding out that all there was that led to many other things in the Bible that uh, are of the same pattern. So God seemed, seemed to be saying something. So that's kind of where I started with that. And um, we kind of connected, um, you know, I'm, I've written like 14 books, and Gary wrote uh, kind of the first pass of this. What, Gary, was it like 20 years ago? Well, let's see, the, you know, that Bible study started me off, and that was probably like 45 years ago. <laughs> but, <laughs> so it's a, the, the well, idea has continued to blossom through the years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although it went through a, a several, like you said, several, several adjustments and um, moving away from some, we might say, heretical teachings more centered onto uh, what the Bible truly teaches. And uh, I had written a book. <clears throat> I had written a book uh, that was originally called Black Sun Blood Moon, and then changed the title to Blood Moon when that was fashionable. I wish I had a different title now. Um, but uh, but it dealt a lot with the glorification of the believer. And uh, Gary sent me this book that he had worked on and and uh, developed. And I looked at that and I said, "Gee, there's a lot of ideas that are really common with things that I have written about before." And so. Um, I asked him if he'd want to uh, work together on a book on a book that would kind of update his book and combine some things in, in my uh, in my studies and what I'd written before and, and he was fool enough to say yes and um, and so uh, then I had to put him on hold for like what Gary six months while I was working on revising reality with uh, yeah. Anthony Patch and some other folks a book on cosmology. But we kind of kept in the background working on this book, which really, as I said, it really deals with the Christian concept of the afterlife, uh, sanctification, uh, as Gary was saying, the, like the Feast of Israel, and some of the typology of the Old Testament, and how it reinforces the New Testament concepts of, uh, of salvation, uh, specifically justification, sanctification, glorification. And so, um, anyway, so I finally got done with revising reality, and then we we really got busy over the last what four months or five months, and mm-hmm. uh, and got the book put together. And uh, so we'll we'll tell you more kind of as we go along about our rationale behind it. But but in essence, the book really is dealing with the the importance of growth in sanctification, how that leads to glorification, and. And in and we really look at those issues in light of, of eschatology or Bible prophecy. And so it's, you know, the, probably in a in a sort of a single sentence or more. It's really looking at um, the great, probably the greatest prophecy and, and teaching of prophecy that Christians know the least about, which ironically is our own glorification, our own destiny um, in the so-called afterlife. Yeah. So there. I like. I like to call it the the bright side of eschatology. Yeah, I was gonna say goodness knows so many of the uh you know, my my uh, moniker which I use for marketing purposes is Doomsday Doug. And 
And that, unfortunately, is too much of what eschatology seems to be, is all about doom and gloom. And so this book is meant to be uh, uplifting, encouraging, inspiring, highly scriptural, uh, worthy of, of reading and meditating on because so much of it is scripture. And uh, and so anyway, so that's kind of our, that was our ambition, I guess. Mm-hmm. Are you guys well, that, still there? That was, that, yes, that was a great synopsis. I like that very much. And just to let everyone know, Ronnie has joined us. Hi, Ronnie. Hi, Hi, Ronnie. Hi there. I'm sorry I'm late. Hi, Ronnie. Hi there. Okay, so the next (sighs) question would be, well, I did read the book. I was impressed, as usual, (laughs) with your work. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you. Amen. Uh, you, you laid a wonderful foundation of the teaching yeah. of, of the uh, tabernacle and intertwining it with the feast. I mean, that was amazing. I've made separate studies myself of that, but you, you just put it all together in a nice, neat little bow. And I do recommend this book for beginning Christians as well as we older ones. <laughs> we won't talk about age. You okay. Um, you, don't have to, you don't have to elaborate I, on that if you don't want to. <laughs> Thank you. I, I have Thank to you. say, I have to, I have to say that, um, you know, I've I've read a lot of Doug's books, and um, I, you know, the way he puts things together, um, it's so, it's like Dorothy said, it just comes together. And my favorite, 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 favorite Doug book is Power Quest Two. Um, like I did a whole two hours on that. Book. Yes, it's very different. But we'll do that I another love time. How you, Let's do that next time. Well, yeah, I, yeah, no, we will, and I won't get too into it. But I told you I was going to bring it up. It's just that that's my that's like. Fine. That's like that's like going on a first date. I mean, that book was just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. intro to, and and the way you just had it laid out, it was just amazing. Um, well, in a, and in it a nutshell, like, for the for the listeners, I was going to say in a nutshell, it's kind of like. The history, the untold history of America, you know, Oliver Stone did a series on that, and it's kind of like that in a book, uh, except that it really focuses on the untold spiritual history of America. So that's kind of what it's about. If you get a chance, buy Power Quest, it's awesome. Um, I wanted to ask you, what, what, why do you think that it's not so much of a big deal for people anymore to strive for that goal to for like sanctification and, and holiness. Yeah. And I like mean, that. it just seems like, yeah, yeah. because, because I mean, it, it says, you know, that people are, it, it's going to be about me, me, you know, in the last days, of course, and it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you would think that in the midst of all this, people would be reaching out for him and, and wanting to, to grab him and, and father, you know, help us, you know, it just, and, and they're not. And mm-hmm. it just has taken a backseat to their, their eternal life has taken a backseat, you know, to what's going on here. It's like what's going on here is more important because it's in front of us. Mm-hmm. Well, let me, I'm going to ask Gary to talk to a part of that, the answer to that question. Um, I'm going to talk to a part of it. Um, the the part I'll talk to is is kind of what's going on in the eschatology community, and what has been going on for maybe the last twenty twenty five years, and and kind of why this topic is kind of scarce 
in the community. Uh, and then maybe, um, Gary, while I'm talking, you could think about the cultural sort of rationale for why, you know, kind of cultural and church sort of reasons for why the topic is, uh, you know, is not, not so popular. Um, from an eschatology standpoint, the, you know, probably a fairly obvious answer is that um, sanctification, sanctification and glorification, really holiness, is hard. It's really hard. It involves effort, work, focus, commitment, sacrifice. Um, and, you know, the it's much more intriguing and sensational to talk about um, weird and wacky and crazy things. Um, you know, we'd rather, we'd rather listen to ghost whisperers and go hunt for aliens, um, try to understand the latest in terms of UFOs, the, um, you know, the, the real hidden secrets about the Nephilim and the giants and the paranormal. All of those things are, you know, are really interesting and sensational topics. And, in, and to some extent, to a great extent, uh, the Bible prophecy sort of discipline and topic has kind of been overwhelmed particularly in the last 10 years, by, uh, by these topics, by these sort of strange paranormal topics. I and agree. it's not that they're not, you know, it's not that they're not good topics. They are, um, but it's a question of balance. And those mm-hmm. topics tend to be, um, I mean, like, Roz, you and I have a number of friends that write books, and I've written a couple of books, obviously, on these right. subjects as well. Um, but, you know, it's, it's kind of like, those books are apologetics books. They are arguments for the faith, you know, and yet they're strange and they're weird, and so they drive some people away. Um, the people that are already mm-hmm. convinced, you know, that haven't heard a lot about this stuff, they're, you know, maybe they've been listening, they've been reading traditional Bible studies and things like that, and they've never heard about Genesis 6 and the Nephilim, or they've never heard about mm-hmm. Uh, UFOs and that those might be that that you know maybe examples of demonic activity and so on and so that kind of is the reason why a topic like sanctification and how it leads to glorification and and the glory that awaits us it's it's our inheritance um, that that just gets crowded out it's uh, it just isn't you know isn't a topic that seems a, of a lot of interest despite the fact that when you dig into it as Gary and I have you find yourself pretty soon you've written over 100,000 words and you know 300 mm-hmm. pages uh because it's such a deep subject there is so much material mm-hmm. in the bible about this that most christians aren't aware of so so that's that's my answer well, well, i agree <laughs> i agree with that but you know to the politics right now in the country too i think everything is taking our minds off of jesus and i think your book puts that back in. That's mm. getting into the Bible and studying the Bible and growing closer to the Lord and getting sanctified through prayer. And it, it should be what's most important to us. Because sometimes I think as much as I like the other subjects and they interest me, sometimes I, I think there's so much of it, it takes our eyes off the Lord. That's just my mm. feeling. Mm. That's just my feeling. Yeah. I'm not saying I yeah. disagree with them, but that's all I hear. You know, yeah. that's that's yeah, all that's I hear. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I I think that too. Um, I really, you know, I have friends that, like Doug said, I mean, it, that that they that write books about this stuff, and I think it's mm-hmm. okay to know about it. 
Um, yeah. But too much of anything is never good. Absolutely. So, I mean, you just kind of got to take it and, and just kind of put it on the put it in the garage on a shelf in your head and just kind of leave it there for just like in case purposes. Um, mm. But mm-hmm. you know, those subjects are they are um, they are interesting, but. You know, that being said, like I said, it's just that too much of something is never good. You know, we should know where the foundation is, and that's his word. I mean, because, you know, that's where it's all stemming from. Yes, absolutely. I don't care. What what would you comment on um, regarding why the subject is is sort of a reluctant subject for people? Yeah. Um, Well, first of all, I'd like to just say that being, uh, I think in most, okay, maybe not just mainline churches, but also evangelical churches are afraid to talk about eschatology at all because, you know, if somebody made a mistake once and Jesus didn't come in 1988 or whatever, you know, and so they're... <laughs> or 1843. Wow. Right. He went and there. So, <laughs> They're afraid right. to talk about it for fear that you know they might be wrong or whatever, and we we can't possibly know, so let's just not even talk about it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's one thing that's going on, and and so the ones the people who are talking about it, you know, like you say, are pretty much talking about the wild and wacky stuff, which I think is important to learn about. Uh, the other reason that I think uh, has has gone on. It has to do with the heresy that that um, of the manifested sons of God, the latter rain movement, and that people were also afraid of that, and they didn't want to be called heretics, so they just stay away from that too. And part of that is, you know, when you look at okay, you say well, this is our inheritance, and uh, we are going to inherit the glory of God, and we are going to become uh, glorified sons. Of God, it sounds. Or daughters. Or daughters. <laughs> it sounds, um, you know, well, it, it's fantastic, like some of those other wild and wacky things in a way. But also, it sounds like um, you're becoming something that you shouldn't become. You're becoming gods, you know. Maybe it sounds like the lie in the garden, you know, you shall become as gods. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not mm-hmm. it at all, but I think people are afraid of sounding like that. Mhm. Yeah. So anyway, that's the couple of things I think that that's, I thought of. I think that's no, I think that's absolutely right. I, I think there is that there is that fear, and um, the, the other another issue or, or reason I would throw out is just that there is such a incorrect stereotypical thinking about the afterlife. That um, you know the strumming on harps and sitting on the cloud and all that that tends to be yeah. pervasive and still sort of bleeds into well, the mind. I remember that Christmas. Tom and Jerry cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's that, and then there's just you know some we have partial truths. We have like well we know you know will the circle be unbroken? Yeah, we're gonna you know we're gonna see those that we love. Um, you know there's gonna be rest. Yeah, there's gonna be you know a time of rest. But, you know, one of the, the points, and, and I have to say, Gary, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a writer and I'm a publisher, and I have a few good ideas every so often, but so much of this book is Gary's. 
uh, research and his experience and his life experience. And a lot of this, I have learned so much from him in the course of this. And I, and I jokingly tell him every time I read the book again, even though I was involved in writing it, I still learn new things because we're dealing with scripture at a level that, um, some of us don't often do. And, uh, you know, and so we learn things about the destiny of Christians and the plan of God for us that is in the Scripture, but it just isn't pointed out very often. And then we we start seeing, you know, things about the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, and in the glory of God and what all that means. And then, wow, there's some implications and some logical implications that. You know that we just haven't thought about, and it has a real bearing on what happens in the tribulation period and in the millennium and and all that. So uh, there's there's a lot of very unusual things to uncover. This is not a this is not for baby. I mean, yeah, baby Christians can read this, but this is something that advanced Christians can read too and and learn many new things uh, about it because we just haven't heard it before. Well, let me ask you something. Would it been would it been um, I want to say an an objection to to grab knowledge from other books that that aren't a part of the Bible? Just say like the Book of Jasher or you know the mm-hmm. Book of Enoch, maybe, and just like grab what was in there as well. Because I mean, people there's a lot of people that don't even know those books even exist, and what's sure. in them, no less. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot in them. <laughs> there, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I don't care. What, do you, what comment would you make on that? What's that? You have a comment on that? Oh. On that question or comment uh, about the oh. extra biblical sources? Well, I think they're definitely valuable. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I have that one on my shelf, and I think it's important. <laughs> yeah, and then right. and the right. Old Testament, men, the Old Testament mentions that book even so mm-hmm. yeah and certainly the book of Enoch uh, is is presumed and even quoted from it's presumed in several of the books of the New Testament it's quoted from mm-hmm. directly in Jude and yeah. Uh, yeah so there are some you know sort of uh, apocryphal as they're called um, uh, you know material that can also teach us some things what is intriguing about uh, about this and the study that we that we did is the stuff that you that you hadn't heard before that's coming right out of the Bible, and then it's coming out of, let's say, the church fathers. Um, uh, you know, the, the one example that pops in my mind is the study of uh, the stars and the meaning of the the images of stars in First uh, Corinthians 15, the um, the promise uh, of God to Abraham. You know, when He told Abraham, Abraham, look up in the sky. And you know if you know see the stars, and your descendants will be as the stars, you know. And so we we always have interpreted that to mean uh, the number, the count, how many you know millions of descendants that Abraham would have. Uh, but uh, there's a young scholar named David Burnett that uh, that Gary turned me onto that um, I read, and he and I communicated a little bit, and um, he just did a fabulous paper talking about how that promise is interpreted not just in quantity, but in quality. 
and playing on the image of the sons of God as stars in heaven, and that it was the view of of uh, Paul's Apostle Paul's contemporaries, other Jews that were writing, that were scholars, that obviously weren't Christians at the time, but they viewed that that was correct, that the descendants of Abraham would one day be as mighty as the angels and that they would replace, uh, as Paul says, the powers and principalities because, the, uh, as Dr. Michael Heiser teaches, the second temple period, you know, those 500 years leading up to Christ, there, there were a lot of, uh, there was a, a great understanding of the Genesis six uh, teachings about the sons of God coming into the daughters of men and the evil that that brought about in in the world, and that the, the and then the the Tower of Babel experience and the divvying up of the seventy nations and assigning them to the different uh, you know archons, powers, and principalities, and that as Psalm eighty two, Psalm eighty nine. Yeah, Psalm 82 um, talks about these powers and principalities, it's easy for me to say, have become corrupted. And um, and that the destiny, part of the destiny of Christians is, and this was the in the prophecy uh, to Abraham and, and talked about by Paul in, in Romans chapter 4, is to replace the powers and principalities. Is that the administration... Pember, G.H. Pember, who wrote uh, the book Earth's Earliest Ages back in about 1890, he talked about this as well, and he said, you know, the administration um, will continue. It's kind of like the American government will continue, but all of the people in the government are going to get changed out. And that was kind of the, the analogy. is like the administration of powers and principalities, they're going to get thrown out, and the body of Christ and the church is going to take those positions and is going to be the administration that rules the earth and the heavenlies um, and rules with a rod of iron, which we usually Amen. reserve that yeah. phrase just for Christ, but it actually is it is also related to the uh, the church as well from Revelation uh, chapter 2, verses 26-27, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, yeah. anyway, so, right. you know, there's, there's some pretty powerful stuff there that we don't think about. Mm-hmm. It says we're, tra- we're training to be rulers and kings and priests. Yeah, was that a question? Are we are we in training to be no, rulers and kings? No, I'm just saying we are in training. It does tell us in scriptures that we are in training. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I think and that is uh, I think right. Queen Esther, uh, thinking about your book, I've not read your book, just the talking points in the PDF that Dorothy sent. Um, yes. I forgot my Amazon signing, so I couldn't get it just yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we all do a copy just because, you know, you're you're so kind to let us come on your show. Oh, well, that's all right. <laughs> I mean, I'm in the UK, so. <laughs> um, well, but, we can Oh, thank you very much. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, your book is, is similar to the preparation of, of Esther, Queen Esther, mm-hmm. Um when she before she became queen, we're lacking that preparation time, and you're sort of highlighting on on that process with mm-hmm. the with the um, process that we are going through. Uh, and as for the, the the all the other books, I mean, I, I've got Michael Heiser and, and uh, loads and mm-hmm. loads, you know, uh, Derek Gilbert books and everything. And I would I would uh, 
at one time I would have thought it was all pretty strange, but I don't <laughs> think it is because people don't. They don't. I don't think they realise what the supernatural is. I don't think they think about what it is, and I don't mm-hmm. think that they, they realise um, it, it's sort of ethereal. God is out there somewhere. I mean, I was right. there, so I know. But I found that it's like he's bringing us into reality, which is above our natural reality and beyond. Yes. So far, yes. In, instead of making it seem stranger and, and more frightening, he's making it more real, and therefore he is more real. And mm. therefore mm. our future is more real. It's within a grasp of understanding. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not looking forward to seeing some creepies, but you know. <laughs> um, well, I know. I think. I just remember, great is he that is in me than he that is in the world. <laughs> Amen. I've I've had yeah. used that verse many times. Let me share yeah. um, a, a scripture, if I might. Uh, Ephesians three eight through twelve. Um, this is Paul, of course, talking about how he was chosen and given this direct. Uh, very special, unique revelation from God. He said, I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery from which, uh, or which from the beginning of the ages, from the eons in the past, has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. And so, you know, the verse, it really strikes you. It's basically like God is serving notice to the powers and principalities, kind of like Donald Trump would say, you've been fired, and, uh, and he's replacing them with the church, and that this was his plan from before the world began to yeah. to bring about this people, to unite this people, to glorify this people, and that, that we should rule in uh, the ages to come through uh, our union with one another and, and especially our union with Christ. And so it's, uh, you know, it's pretty mind-boggling when you actually sit down and you, you think about these things. Yeah, yeah. It's something I was discussing with my son today, actually, you know, that... Mm. Um, God had decided all this before he even created heaven and earth. Um, And in Genesis, it says the earth was without form and void. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because we got talking about the the, the artifacts that's been found and the secrets that Mm -hmm. are coming out. And they all Mm -hmm. seem um, straight out of a sci-fi movie. And they said, (laughs) well, there were were people living on earth before before man came. You know, uh, and the, find, the finding artifacts. Oh, yeah. The finding out. <laughs> well, it makes sense. The finding artifacts of, of technology yeah. that's far beyond yeah. what we've got now, back then, and the back engineering a lot of it. Mm. You know, yeah. and people can't understand where it's coming from. I said, well, it's there in the Bible if you read it. It's all there. <laughs> I mean, what does Bible mean? It means a library, doesn't it? So it's made up of many, many books that's put together, and it's more—it's got more information in that than if you go into your local library. 
You name it, it's got it in it. It's more of the right you want the adultery, too. You want the adultery and fornication, it's in there. And if you want affairs, it's in there. <laughs> you know, if you want wars and, and you want rumours of war, it's in there. If you want uh-huh. it's in there. If you want to know how it all starts, it's in there. You don't need a scientist, you just look at the Bible, it's there. But they need mm-hmm. to know how. Well, God says, I'm just giving you enough for what you need to know now. I'm not telling you how. You'll know one day, but I'm not telling you now. Right. Now, the, and, the and Lord I, tells us, I was just going to say, the Lord tells us very, very few things. And, of course, like you, I, I believe that the age in which we are that we live really sort of began with Adam and Eve, but there was an age prior to Adam, and yes. there will be mm-hmm. ages to come beyond, which uh, Paul yeah. talks about, that, that really our glory in our life, our our work and our purpose is uh, is just barely beginning. It's like the kickoff of a football game, but there's the whole game yet to come, and uh, and so you know there's a lot lot more to know about what happened before. And there are hints in the Bible, and there are hints in the Book of Jasher and the Book of Enoch and so forth. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of the story that we're going to have to get filled in on, um, <laughs> you know, on the other side of the resurrection. I think Enoch really opens it up, though. He, he, na- mm. he names the miscreants that started it all. <laughs> Is it right, Azazel right. And, and all those really strange-sounding mm-hmm. names? But uh, yeah. Because we were discussing that uh, uh, Enoch wrote down who it was that taught women how to wear makeup. He taught That's about right. abortion. He taught men how to make weapons and make war. Right. So each angel, each fallen angel, were named. Yeah. Yes. You know, and, and I said, the more you get into that, the more you realise what's going off today. Because I mean, let's face it, the devil don't know any new tricks. Um, it's yeah. got to keep using the same ones yeah. over and over again. And uh, we're seeing that today because they're still doing it, using the same tricks yeah. over and over again. Yeah. Same lies. Yeah, there's nothing new on this one. <laughs> no new lies. <laughs> no. Uh, well, anyone that tries to te- that thinks they could they could destroy God can't have a brain cell between their ears. I'll well, be honest. Like Nimrod shot the arrow in the heaven to see where it would land, and it, according to what was it, the Book of Jasher that says the the arrow came down and it had blood on it. <laughs> and it was, and it, it wasn't because God bled. It was because God was going to bleed for us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Mm. Yeah, that's me. Huh. <clears throat> well, I know that well, there. Um, back in your in your court to ask questions, we can oh. we can venture off if uh, you know if the conversation well, stalls us. You know, I just wanted to follow up with something that Pam said about uh, you sure. know they're finding new artifacts because I'm friends with Klaus Dona who um, mm-hmm. who does this for a living and um, the stuff that he that he has I mean he, there's things that he has found I mean he can't even bring out to the public because it would just probably shake everybody but mm-hmm. um, it's just it's just amazing how um, you know people like him and Professor Moldeshev you know mm-hmm. have found these things and and just you're like wow you know it, 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 it's amazing like w- w- what for technology that they have 
you know, to do the things that they did. And, you know, it really makes your mind go in, in different places. But this, the things that they have found has just been, has just been, it would just blow your mind away. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know anything he, about them. What is his name, Ross? Uh, Klaus Dona. He's um, he actually lives in Austria, um, and I've had him on my show several times, and and I still talk to him to this day. And um, yeah. and he's dug up. He's he's a really um, he's really known for digging up um, giants. You know. Twenty-five to thirty feet high. So, mm. you know, that just are to get a bigger boat. Yeah, <laughs> have to get a bigger boat. Who said yeah. that, Doug? <laughs> yeah, that was me. That was me. <laughs> uh, it's, you but, know, a little obscure joke. I, it you it guys is got interesting. It. I really appreciate that. Yeah. It, oh, it is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well. It, well, that and and just um, even the stuff. I know there's not not a lot of people out there that know who Sue Bradley was, um, mm. but she, just the stuff that she, you know, taught me and um, just how to look for things and and you know, I mean, it really sounded like you know at times it was probably a little off the wall, but um, to other people, but you know, it really makes you wonder. Well, the, the the whole history of uh, of the world prior to Adam, you know, and and Eve, and of course, uh, you don't have to be a young Earth creationist to uh, you know believe in Adam and Eve. You can believe that the world is millions, if not billions, of years old, and that some time ago, perhaps six thousand or a few thousand years more, um, there was a special act of creation. God created the current version of humankind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Finnis Dake, who wrote a Bible or had a Bible, uh, the Dake Bible, Stake Study Bible, wrote a book called Another Place, Another Time, Another Man. And in that, of course, mm-hmm. he was inferring the gap theory that there was a humanity uh, of some kind or some type of uh, humanoids, let's say, before. And, uh, and then uh, David Flynn, of course, in his book on Sidonia, um, the, I guess, what was it called, Araz? It was The Secret. Let's see the Secret Chronicles of Sidonia or something like that. There's yeah, a book on yeah. Mars and a book on mystery religions, and uh, and talking about you know kind of uh, bringing out some of the things in the mystery religions that might coincide with the Book of Enoch, and uh, you know what Michael Heiser talks about in terms of uh, reversing Hermon. So mm-hmm. of course those are the you know those are the sort of the, the the weird and wacky things that that are fascinating to us, and we're we're kind of like kind of in some ways we're sort of taking those things for granted now and we're trying to move back to you know but what is it in the scripture about our specific experience and our destiny that is you know once you dig into it is sort of equally fascinating um mm-hmm. and goes beyond our you know kind of normal understanding and uh, mm-hmm. and that's of course what we're trying to get at in terms of talking about the glorification of uh, of humanity and and what that means uh in the in the tribulation period and beyond but Doug it, it's like they're it's like they're um it, it's like the mind can't grasp that um mm-hmm. because the church doesn't talk about it 
true. Right. It's like the same thing. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> That's one of the reasons why we needed to write the book. The church does yeah. talk about yet it's absolutely all through the scripture. Yeah. When you think point, about it, say, go ahead. Can I, uh, Mom. Hello. Yeah, Gary, jump in. Gary. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was thinking, uh, I don't know who was, I mean, a couple of you were, were bringing up some of those uh, crazy things from the distant past. And uh, it seems like that, you know, the, the, Current humanity is trying to resurrect a lot of that stuff and and uh, use it use it and overwhelm humanity with it. But so I'm thinking that um, I, I think all of that stuff you could put that into the box of I think what Paul calls the mystery of iniquity mm-hmm. and and yeah. so what we're talking about is the mystery this other mystery that is basically the answer to that mystery of iniquity is the mystery, mystery that that you just you, you were just uh, yeah mystery of godliness and i think in that yeah, Ephesians yeah. uh passage that Doug just quoted mm-hmm. a little uh, he is talking about the the um he wants all of us to see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning mm-hmm. of the ages has and like somebody was saying uh, has been hidden in God. It was from the beginning um, that his intent was to use the church to uh, make known his his wisdom. Understood. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's, you know, it's kind of like one God's wisdom, God's mystery is uh, the answer to that, all that other stuff. Yeah. But, understood, but you have to think out of the box in order to, you know what I mean? In order to, to, to absorb what the book is about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. <laughs> because that's not what's normally dealt with. And some people are afraid to go there. But then there oh, are those, those of us yeah. who are just like hungry for it. We want to, you know, we want to know, mm-hmm. we want, we want to teach others because we don't want to keep this knowledge to ourselves, but, you gotta think out of the you gotta think out of the box in order to understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I think as well when you tie them both together, um, when you when when you're seeing what the, the the fantastic things that we are seeing today that's been on mm-hmm. um, unleashed and revealed, um, and hidden at the same time, if you like, so that we don't know but we do. Right. Um, and you think well. That the intelligence behind these things is beyond our mindset. That's why it's so marvelous and so mis- mis- mysterious to us. Mm-hmm. And and God has to prepare us in such a way that He could trust us with that amount of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So we have to be prepared, so mm-hmm. that we would be on the right path. And it wouldn't turn into what it is today, but and according to following his rules, if we are to replace the fallen ones, then we've got to be prepared and trained so that we don't become fallen ones ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We, see what we I mean? have to be, yes, we want yeah. to grow up and become mature sons. Yes. Mm-hmm. And daughters. Yes. And daughters. And daughters. Sorry. 
When I say, when I say sons, I mean daughters too. <laughs> hey, I'm just repeating Doug. That's all. <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's part of part of my editing is I have to do that for for virtually all the authors I I work with is uh, is 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 re- remind everyone that we that we're trying to be inclusive in our language. Yeah. <laughs> well, didn't it used to be when you said man, it meant mankind in general. Yeah. 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 You know. I'm just say Now you say humankind and humanity. <laughs> yeah. And if you say if you say man in one sentence, you have to say woman in the next sentence. So those are the politically <laughs> correct grammatical rules of uh, you know Chicago style guide or something like that. I don't know what you meant. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I knew what you meant. I was just teasing. I I like to have a little humor in my... Oh, and I like it, and we we, we live for that. Yeah. (laughs) So if I I say uh, daughters of God next time, then you'll correct me and say and sons, right? And sons. (laughs) We know what you mean. Let's just... Let's just go on. <laughs> hey, speaking seriously, though, for a second, Gary, you do Children. a neat little study. You, uh, Gary does this neat little study uh, in the in the scripture with the use of sort of child and then uh, mature child and yeah. uh, and so forth. And you might just mention that for a minute or so because that's kind of a, a neat study. Yeah. That was a very good. Yes, that was excellent. Bringing that out. And a, and actually, I have to give credit to that that first uh, Bible study that I went to because that was part of that <laughs> when he talked about. Well, even heretics get certain things right. I uh, know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, uh, yeah, and that's that's how they that's how people get off because they the Bible does say certain of those things, and then you kind of stretch mm-hmm. it a little too far. But okay, mm-hmm. so um, in. In the original, there's there's three. There are other words for son or daughter, and um, you know, and mature son. But but the main three that are used in the New Testament are um, technion, which is a like a babe, a baby. Technon, which is a uh, an older child, and then huios. And I don't know if I'm saying these right, but they're close. <laughs> Um, which would be a mature son. And so um, the technion, Jesus, let's see, Jesus called it technion one time, I think, and then when he was in, um, when he was in the, the temple talking to the, you know, kind of instructing the, uh, what were they, the priests? <coughs> he was talking to he was called a technon there and then when when god uh when the father when when jesus was baptized uh in water and then the holy spirit came down uh god the father actually that was the first time that jesus was called a weos when jesus when the father said this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased um and and basically the weos that the the idea of a weos or the mature son is what God wants us to um, to progress for. That's something that, that we, as the body of Christ, as individuals, that I believe it's something that, as the body of Christ together, will, is to progress towards that mature son. Um, in in Romans eight, what is it? Romans eight twenty eight, when it talks mm-hmm. about the matter 
manifestation of the sons of God, it uses that word huios, but it also, uh, and then it talks about son adoption, it uses, it says huios adoption, basically. So we are to be adopted as mature sons. And that's different than the way we think of adoption. I don't know if I said it means we have, a full in, we have a full inheritance, too. Is that correct? Yeah, and the in, and the inheritance is there for us, but it is um, we just just like in in the Jewish culture, uh, you receive you, you receive your inheritance when you mature and you're ready ready to take on the father's business, so to speak. Right, the family business. Yep, family business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So the so the Greek language brings us you know brings us to that and I don't recall uh, I don't have my Greek interlinear here I don't know if the uh, the male child that is born in Revelation 12 uh, is you know what what stage that child is born you know, what is the word is used. it, is it that, uses is the mature? word weos. yeah the mature yeah, son that's the most and that that would suggest that at the rapture because I believe that is a rapture verse. Uh, I'm not arguing. It's not. I'm not arguing pre-trib. <laughs> I'm just saying the rapture will happen. The question of when it happens is a is a is a debate, of course. But the the male child is a mature son, and uh, there are really two points of view. One is that that's Christ. There's three points of view. One is that it's Christ. One is that it's the church, and one is that it's double fulfillment. And that's kind of where Gary and I are, sort of double fulfillment. Mm-hmm. But it is the mature son that is. Uh, are podzoed, snatched up to heaven uh, when the mm-hmm. uh, devil was ready to uh, devour it. So mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. we would argue that it's the church because when Jesus ascended, um, the word that was used was albiano, I believe. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. Um, but it is uh, ascended or lifted up, and Jesus did not have to be rescued. Jesus was victorious. And so he ascended gloriously, uh, methodically, and observably, whereas the male child that is snatched up is uh, is done yeah. secretly and instantly, and is yeah. rescued. And so, uh, so it's a, that's mm-hmm. kind of the verse, the passage, of course, that's tied into the the September twenty third, twenty seventeen, um, the whole hoopla right now, which I think is really mm-hmm. intriguing about yeah. the. Uh, you know the Feast of Trumpets and whether or not uh, that is a sign of the rapture, Roz. <laughs> Could it just be a sign of the latter rain? Not like that other thing that Gary referred to, the, the misinformation on it. But I think there is a lot of scriptural evidence for a latter rain. So could yes. that not be the, the latter rain falling upon the true church. That sounds good. Because I've been trying to figure it out, too. <laughs> I'm not sure if, the, if, the, if that image, that vision in Revelation 12 is, but um, I don't know. Does, does everybody understand the latter rain concept? I, I'm, I'm not really a latter rain movement guy, so, uh, Gary, this would you'd have to explain it, I guess. Well, um I mean, you're not one of those guys either anymore, but, no, you know, you understand no. the concept. Well, and, and I never was, actually. But um, mm-hmm. so the, the latter rain is 
uh, it's a biblical concept. I absolutely agree. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's in there, and um, it talks about well, one don't know if I can think of the verse right now, but it's in our book. Joel, <laughs> uh, probably Joel two or three I, or something um, like that. I'm thinking it's Haggai, but wherever it's you know, there's oh, the yeah, one place where it says um, uh, the rain will fall. Um, the rain, the latter rain, will fall all fall together in the first month. You know, yeah. um, like both the, the uh, former and the latter rain. The right? former and the latter rain, yes. And so um, it seems to be saying that there's going to be a whole lot of rain, <laughs> which I believe <laughs> would be some symbol of the Holy Spirit falling all at one time mm-hmm. uh, during that during w- whenever you know that is the great well, harvest period. Yeah, yeah, to bring in the great harvest. And, of course, that that uh, rain is going to fall on the church. So I absolutely agree. I don't know who was commenting about that. Um, that was Ross. Dorothy. Ross. That was Dorothy. Dorothy. Sorry, Dorothy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I, I, I think of my fair lady and the rain in Spain and mainly on the <laughs> plane and all that. Right. <laughs> Sorry. So, if if uh, September twenty third, twenty seventeen means something, then I think very well it could mean it's a herald of things to come. And I agree with uh, Dorothy that mm-hmm. it could very well be a herald of the latter rain falling on the church. But I don't think it's the rapture at that point. I could be wrong. <laughs> if it is, we'll, we'll find know out. Soon enough. We'll know soon enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is. It is the most. Uh, I think it's one of the most popular subjects on the internet now, and without question, the most uh, searched subject uh, related to eschatology is the the whole issue of whether or not the uh, the sign of Revelation 12 is in fact appearing in the sky on September 23rd, 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't that happen a couple years ago? Mm, the sign of Dorothy. I think Dorothy, it was different. Was yeah, it was, was different. different. Yeah, it was different. Yeah, this sign has not appeared for several thousand years. I think you're referencing the star of Bethlehem that was Venus and Jupiter and, and Regulus. Okay, I, I I apologize. My memory isn't good, but no, um, all right. Then there was the blood moons, re- right? No, it was the. It was it was um something it was in about June twenty fifteen. I think it was June twenty fifteen if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Regulus, like, this, Venus no, this and Jupiter all appeared in conjunction. I have a great a picture of the star Bethlehem. I got a yeah. perfect picture of that. Uh-huh. Yep. We don't I don't we don't think it meant that the Messiah was born, but it seems to have been a sign to, to suggest along with the blood moons that we are we are moments away from the big events. They are about to happen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. The, the difference yep. at, at this time as well, it says in Revelation, it talks about the great red dragon. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. mentions, uh, oh, I've forgotten now, seven and whatever. Um, seven heads that, and horns. Me, yeah, that's it. And I think mm-hmm. that that's like the, the, the solar system that's coming in with the planet uh, Nibiru. Because mm. that's got like a, a, a red um, tail, wings with it mm. that, that's yeah, coming that's, in. That's supposedly true, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it says it sweeps. 
sweeps oh, them I down to earth. That. Really yeah, so you've got that yeah, connection like that. this yeah. time that you didn't have last time. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. this, this is what we have to look at. When people have said, ah, well, it's been, you know, there's all these mm-hmm. signs going off all over. I says, yeah. But he said, when you see all these things in Matthew, look mm-hmm. up for your redemption draws nigh. And I'm wondering if that latter rain uh, is, as, as you said, to do with the Holy Spirit. We, we, uh-huh. we, we've just had some lo- lovely weather, which is rare over here, but we've just had some lovely weather. <laughs> and then today, the heavens opened up. And, uh, you know, I you mean, live in Glasgow? Ah, Where do you live? Yorkshire. Yorkshire, okay. God's country, saying, Yorkshire. You, you are you you have that accent that's sort of the blend of the Scot and the English, so that's why you you, you live in Yorkshire. That makes sense. Ah, oh, well, I'm also ex-military. We've floated round, <laughs> so <laughs> you pick it. <laughs> I've just noticed that people in 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 York, uh, and, and maybe I'm confused about Yorkshire and York, but uh, that that their accent. Yeah, it yeah. sounds as much Scottish as it does English. Oh, well. <laughs> they copied but, from but, us. That's right. It's good. It's good. <laughs> no, I, I'm more, more of a Barnsley end, and we're a bit broader. I mean, if, um, uh, my, my ex lived in Sheffield, and I was introduced to his grandmother, and she apologized to everybody because I was so broad, you know, <laughs> and that's the difference in a few short miles. Um, <laughs> but the, as I said, we had rain today, and I were grateful for it because everything was dry because we hadn't had enough mm. rain. And I'm wondering if that latter rain is because the church has become so dry and needs that filling up with the spirit. Yes. Well, it it, it needs it, doesn't it, Gary? We oh, can I'm sure fine. we can sure use a lot more rain. The church can for sure. Amen. <laughs> I think somebody else is getting our share. <laughs> you know what I find interesting is that the church, in general, has made the same error that the Jews did in that they were supposed to teach others about God, you know, mm-hmm. and neither one did. They just mm-hmm. kept it to themselves. So it's just interesting that the church has made the same error to me. Well, especially yeah. in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's the same yeah. thing every time. When there's a problem, yeah. uh, God sends the man, but man gets a committee together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that that's very true. true. Well, church would never have spread from Jerusalem if there wasn't persecution, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's it's apparently uh, um I mean the more we hear from uh, the the Syrians the the coming to Christ in thousands and and it was the same in Iraq when the Iraq yeah. war was on uh, I mean I I was uh, led really by the Holy Spirit to pray for uh, the military out there becoming from a military you know um, family and that and. Um, because my ex was a, was in the army, and mm. um, he just laid it on my heart to pray, and I watched every avenue of that prayer come to pass, including wow. scattering the enemy where the Iraqi air force went and flew to Iran and gave themselves up, 
And the stories that came back from the boys that came back from Iraq were saying where there were like two guys in a Land Rover that got lost and these thousands of Iraqis suddenly came over hill and they thought, oh, wait, we've had it. Oh, well, we, you know, we'll take as many out as we can. But instead of firing at them, these Iraqis came and in thousands and laid the guns down and put their arms up and said, take us prisoners. So these these lads that took them back to camp, um, I, I would love to have seen a photograph of it. Um, no. You know, they were, they were just sitting them down in, in, in blocks all over because the Iraqis, the, 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 the commanding officers, had just fled. And their, yeah. their uh, um, uh, communication just absolutely... Uh, went and 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 as Saddam was saying, my brother uh, came to me and and he were missing and he came to me and he says, I've seen. Uh, he says I've seen Saddam Hussein in an all and I says what do you mean? I don't know. He says I've seen him in an all and he says what does he mean when he wrecks his Nebuchadnezzar? And I went <laughs> oh oh I know hmm. what's going to happen to him. And when he came out, when they found him, he were, he were actually in a hall, hiding mm-hmm. in a hall. And when he came out, his hair was long, just the same description as there was for Nebuchadnezzar. And his nails were locked because he'd been hidden there for a long time. Looked like a beast. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, well we know yeah, a prayer warrior that. now when we need yeah. someone to pray for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that were laid on by the Holy Spirit. That that really was. And, uh, and I mean, yeah. I, I were absolutely in fears. It stunned <clears throat> the little chapel where I'd gone, the little fellowship. But when the Holy Spirit lays it on you, you know, you, you, you've just got to get it out. I mean, I once, I once said, I'm, I'm yeah. not saying anything anymore, Lord, I'm going to shut up. And I knew <laughs> what it meant when I couldn't keep quiet. They were firing my bones and I had to speak out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been silenced many times by the pastors and thrown out of churches uh, for speaking out. And uh, when I was crying outside, the Lord says to me, what are you worried about? And I said, and I told him, you know what, they've done this, this and this. He says, well, he said, I've been trying to get it there for years. And he showed me from one place to another that he sent me what's happened to that place. And they've all been shut down one after another. Hmm. Because they've not they've not let him in. They've not being silent is not a spiritual gift. No. No it isn't. No it isn't. I'll tell you. It's because you've got a spiritual gift that you're silenced. Hmm. Yeah. May praise God. I've learnt more though. Um, in the ensuing years, and I've I've had more understanding of what was happening than I did at that time because I weren't getting fed at church. Mm. Yes. Amen and amen. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, how long is our program tonight? I wasn't clear. It's generally we have two, two hours. hours. Okay. Well, that's fine. I just wasn't. I wasn't sure. I didn't. I didn't recall if it was ninety minutes or if it was two hours. But that's fine. Well, Actually, we, we could even in? go three if we were so inclined. But 
Well, you need to start peppering us with more questions. I do have a question. I don't know how important it is as it relates to the the thrust of the book, but it was something mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought of before. Um, the blood on the altar. Um, mm-hmm. The blood on the altar is in heaven. That's why Jesus didn't have any blood. He came back flesh and bone. Right? That, that's odd that you, that you bring that up. Um, Kevin Clarkson, who interviewed me today on Prophecy in the News, the TV show here in the States, and um, he asked me that, and I go, you know, that's something that I've, I've heard a bit about. I've never read much about it, uh, and, I, and I really, you know, I really can't answer. I said, the one thing I had heard is that before Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't have red blood. And, and I feel, I, you know, I said, I, I don't really know about any of that. So I don't know, Gary, are you aware of any well, of this? Um. No, it's just, it's actually just what she said is exactly what I've thought for a long time. Because uh, mm-hmm. you know, I saw that where it says, fle- he just says flesh and bone, you know, and I think, okay, well, what about the blood? Well, <laughs> obviously his blood was spilled. And then, right. you know, in, in Hebrews, um, pretty much would give the indication that his blood was put before the Father. So yeah, I think the blood is there before the Father, and uh, you know, and that seems to make sense. That that's why he said, "I'm just flesh and bone." So yeah, well, that's what if, I thought. If if that is if you know that being, I should say that being the case, then mm-hmm. that would suggest that if we are to be like Christ, that then our future uh, body, we wouldn't have blood either. Well, but we we don't have to make sacrifice for anybody. So I don't know. Well, uh, that's true. I was just but, thinking of uh, what, First John three two. We don't know yeah. what shall be like, but we know we shall be like him. Right. Well, I mean, there's probably a few things that we're not going to be quite the same. <laughs> I mean, he <laughs> he, probably he had a couple. scars. He still had scars yeah. on his hands, and we're not going to have those. You know, I mean, there's That's a few right. details no scar, like no that. Scar, no scar on the side. <laughs> but uh, if, we have, yeah. if we have blood, it will be glorified blood. Let's put it that way. It will be. It will be glorious <laughs> blood. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I was just wondering how that relates to the, the scripture about flesh and blood cannot enter heaven. And then how does that relate to oh, the oh. sacrifices that the Jews used to make on the altar, did that blood go before God? I, I, wow. I just have a strange mind. <laughs> no, no, you're asking, you're asking, answering questions. I have not, um, honestly, I, I don't have a, I don't have a, an authoritative or even a, a very good layperson's answer for that other than, you know, just the, I guess more of the standard understanding of the blood of Christ is is uh you know is what in effect cleanses us from sin and uh there's power in the blood as the old hymn says and things like that mm-hmm. so I don't know if Gary if you have anything to to add to that well you know um I the only thing I would say about that is that um first of all I think Jesus blood is different than was different is different than ours 
I mean, mm-hmm. Doug and I, Doug and I could put our blood together and die for people, and that would not do a thing for them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Doug is <laughs> not going to cleanse their sin or or, or be a, a sacrifice for their sin. But Jesus' blood, you know, because he was the eternal Son of God, it meant something, and it, and it was uh, able to do right. the job that you know, you're in my blood can't do. So I don't think it's the same blood, you know, so I don't, I think we're comparing two different things. So I think his blood being in heaven or before the father is a different deal than, than our blood. And, and I, I will, uh, I, I'll go ahead. I thought I was going to make Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I was just going to say, and then the fact that um, glorification is part of, uh, of, of how we are going, I mean, that that is going to uh, bring us before the Father. We're going to be before the Father in a glorified state. So mm-hmm. it's not we, it's not our same flesh and blood as what we have now. It would be glor- in, right. in a glorified state. So I think that's Indeed. how that can happen. Anyway, go ahead, Doug. I was uh, going to make the comment that um, um, I think that they have done testing of the blood on sh- the shroud of Turin. And it seems like it's, you know, I, I forget what is, you know, the universal uh, giver and the universal, you know, receiver or whatever. Is it B, B negative or AB negative or whatever? But um, I, as I recall, the blood type um, was, uh, I think, the, uni- the universal donor. <laughs> so, <laughs> there, so there is a there is a blood type that Christ had. He did have... He did have human blood, and so, you know, I think that, you know, some of the, the, the great creeds of the church that that Christ was 100% human and he was 100% God, and yet mm-hmm. there was, the in the Greek, the kenosis, the emptying, there was something that Christ had to give up. This is Philippians 2, what, 5 through 8, 5 through 11, in terms of, uh, of the emptying of Christ uh, as he became human. And um, he thought, you know, he thought equality of God, not a thing to be grasped or clutched or held onto, but emptied himself, taking on the form of, uh, of, of man, you know, in humans, but men and daughters, men and women. <laughs> so I think that there's, there's uh, the truthfulness that he was both a human with human blood, but he also was his death and his blood had a, an efficacy, a power that, as Gary just said, would far, you know, it's not, it's, you know, one has infinite power, the other is, uh, our blood has no power. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know if I that think, it, I think it, question, uh, but hopefully that was interesting. Yeah. I think when, when, when uh, Adam fell, um, the the covering that he had was that glory, and that was, that was taken from him when he, when he fell. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and God's righteousness is such that he had to come to earth and take on man's um, covering, what, what, what we have now, and, mm-hmm. and lay that down in order to win us back that glory. Yeah. And yeah. that's what we're, we're, we're working towards, that glory, where the covering will be given back to us. Mm-hmm. Now, this is an I interesting agree. point that Gary and I have a little bit of a disagreement on. And um, and I mentioned it in the book because I uh, 
I believe that Adam had a certain glory, but I believe that he was, you know, a 100% human, and um, I and I believe that he had some kind of a shimmering or a glory or whatever, and that when he sinned, he lost that, and his awareness of his nakedness was a an awareness not that he didn't have clothes on, because uh, he may have had clothes on for all we know, but he did not have. Uh, the Our glory, glory. That he lost, yeah, he lost glory. Yeah. Now the yes. question is: Is the glory that he had then the same as the glory that we will have at the resurrection? I believe that it's not. I believe that the glory that we will have at the at the resurrection far exceeds that because the glory that we have is the glory of the Son of God. That it yeah. is imputed. It is it is given to us. And so, as Paul says in First Corinthians 15, there are different you know, sort of different types of glory and the yeah. lesser and greater glory, the stars and so forth, that all that all the glories are not all the same. And so, uh, I don't know. So, Gary, have I mischaracterized your point of view? Um, well, uh, no, I ahead. think, yeah. Uh, <laughs> my, I think what I would say, and, and I don't think we really said this in the book, but um, I, I agree with you uh, that... Here's what I. This is just off the top of my head right now. Okay. Okay. But and there's no I, hair. Yeah, yeah. No hair on this head. Um, maybe I'll get hair back when I'm glorified. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I think <laughs> I think maybe the difference between um, what what Adam was clothed. Okay. The difference is Adam was clothed with glory. This is just a possibility, but he was not glorified. I think there can be mm-hmm. a difference. Um, yeah. We will be only clothed with glory, but we will be glorified. So our bodies will be changed. Adam's body may not have been changed, but was just mm-hmm. simply, he was clothed with glory of God. Now, I think um, one reason Adam could not um, have the tree of life is he couldn't, well, if he if he, if he had partaken of the tree of life, he would have been in a glorified state then, you know, forever. But he went the wrong direction, and he lost his. Body. And he was, and he was fractured. He was. Mm-hmm. He didn't. God didn't want him to be in a glorified or in a permanent state of incompleteness. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Simple. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So anyway, yeah, that was that was my idea. Anyway, that he was not necessarily a glorified in a glorified state, but it was yeah. clothed with glory. Yeah. yeah. Possibility. Is that akin to when Moses started shining after being up on the mountain with God mm-hmm. for all that time? Same, right. Same, right. same, same glory. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the glory according. No, oh, no. I think it's. I think it's different. I think the glory that and this is again. I I get into the nets and the noise of this sometimes, but the <laughs> the glory that that Moses had, we know faded, right? Paul says that mm-hmm. the glory faded. Um, and he picked up this glory because he was in the presence of God. And so somehow the presence of God, it's like it radiated upon him, and being in God's presence, it it, it gave him a glory that um, I would say wasn't his glory. It was the glory of God, but it was a glory that faded. Um, Yeah. and, um, And so... We and we know that he had to put you know he had to put a covering on his face 
because he scared everybody because his face shone, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and we know that at the Transfiguration there was a glorification that occurred there, mm-hmm. and we know that Jesus's glory appeared, um, and uh, and so uh, and and we know that Moses and Elijah was there, and perhaps they they had glory uh, of a certain type as well. But if I understand it correctly, they were not they were not resurrected or uh, or transformed. And this might be an interesting point to to talk to a, a theologian like a Dr. Heiser and say, okay, now, were they already transformed into a glorified body or were they in a, you know, in sort of a um, spiritual body but not not in the final form that we will have at the resurrection? So, um, anyway, so I think that there's there could be some differences here, in other words. Okay. I think that makes sense. That makes it perfect. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, yeah. Good explanation. I can I throw something out there? No. Yeah. Absolutely. You wrote. You wrote. Help write the book. You know. And so you get the. You get the book. <laughs> uh, well, um, I think uh, a good, a really good, uh, well, type of this the situation is you know where we we talk about the. Um, well, the feasts, but also the tabernacle and the different the, the three main sections of the tabernacle, mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. the the holy of holies represents being in the being the presence of God, and I I mm-hmm. think my feeling kind of is like okay sometimes we are very close to God we're you know in His presence we're uh, praying and worshiping, and I think we mm-hmm. can temporarily enter in I mean we have right now we have the um, because of uh, Jesus death and resurrection we have access mm-hmm. to the Father we have access to the Holy of Holies but we don't always yeah. stay there do we no. I, mean, I don't know I don't know anybody that stays there <laughs> so right. I think at this point we you know we have access to the Father we have access to the Holy of Holies but there's a point in time when um, we will become that mature son, and God says, "Okay, come in, enter into the presence of the Father, and and we will, will be stuck in the holy of holies. We'll be, we'll be there, you know." Yeah. And so that's the difference between, um, you know, just uh, having that well, how about, momentary say, shiny face <laughs> and yeah. and being glorified. Yeah. Go ahead. So here's a question, Gary. So is it that we are just in the presence of God manifesting his glory, or are we, in effect, also manifesting the glory of God once we are resurrected? Well, I I think it's both. I think it's both because it does say Mm -hmm. we shall all be changed, you know. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so. We shall take the divine nature. Yeah. yeah, the hope of glory. Mm-hmm. And uh, Peter, no. Second Peter 1, 4, we shall be partakers uh, of the divine nature. Right, yeah. yeah. That's a wild yeah, one. I, I mean, I you know, that just sounds heretical, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's not just that we are going to receive God's glory, and that's a wonderful thing, but it, God is, well, God has, uh, he swore that he was going to fill the earth with his glory. 
and I believe mm-hmm. that the church is instrumental in that. So it's, mm-hmm. it's we we have the glory, we gain the glory of God, and then we spread the glory of God to the earth and mm-hmm. beyond. <laughs> right, and in the ages to come. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it says all all the the um, all creation is waiting for the manifestation of the glory of God of the sons of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Now, Gary, um, one thing we haven't broached in our discussion uh, is the Ray Steadman, um, you know, sort of discussion from like yeah. the nineteen, I guess it's nineteen seventies. You might um, explain a little bit because this again was something you you brought to my attention that uh, I hadn't heard before, but this really gets into what it means to say that we're united with Christ and we are sharing in his glory and some of those examples and what that what that might mean in the tribulation or even the millennium. And this is stuff that <clears throat> I don't think you'd normally hear in discussions about the resurrection. And I found it incredibly fascinating and kind of the work of the church after the resurrection, because I believe that the, the rapture happened sometime before the visible second coming, although Roz is warning me not to say exactly when, and that's okay. Well, can I interrupt? So, just one minute, can I sure. interrupt? Because I'm confused. So when we're raptured, um, we get a glorified body. Is, is that what? Right. Yes. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Okay. Yes. Okay. That's part of what we're talking about, yes. That's mm-hmm. part of it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, in other so, words, that, that, that for a lot of people, glory or or do they say that a lot of people would say that? Well, yeah, we might need to be more specific about it. That they that the the glory, you know, having a glorified body, I think that that's sort of the general understanding. What and what that usually means, the synonym is that what well, we have an immortal body. All right, and so <clears throat> that's what the sort of standard we'd say standard Christian view is. That's as far as we take it, but the Scripture takes mm-hmm. it much further. It's mm-hmm. not just that our body has been glorified or made immortal, but it is that the nature of our body has mm-hmm. become uh, of the substance of of God, which is we're not part of the Trinity. We're not part of the you know, of the mm-hmm. of the triune Godhead, but somehow whatever the stuff of which God is made, which is probably a pretty bad theology, um, we somehow get transformed into that same stuff, you know, and we're partakers of the divine nature. And that, that would lead to some really interesting theological uh, discussion amongst theologians. So, <laughs> uh, but there is a difference, I think, just based upon common usage. Yeah. But anyway, do you want to talk, Gary, about the Ray Stedman stuff a little bit? Uh, let's see. Which part about, about the well, sheep? Well, you know, kind Earth of what truth? he means by, he, he talks about the sign of the Son of Man, what that might be, and then the nature of the ministry of of the church, uh, mm-hmm. let's say post-rapture. Uh, Gary's yeah. more of a mid-trib guy, and and that's okay, because I could be pushed into that, too. But, or um, pre-rapture. You know, or pre-wrath, and uh-huh. uh, so I'm at minimum that. You know, I'm at minimum that. But the the idea is that the church isn't just sitting on our laurels, literally, in heaven. There's still work to do, and we're still involved because we are in union with Christ, 
and Christ is involved in what's going on in the world during the tribulation. So I don't know, Gary, is that enough of a lead-in to get you started? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the okay, where? Now I'm looking for the uh, verse. <laughs> the, the, oh, well, there's Isaiah, Isaiah 4 or... Well, I wanted to I I wanted to go to the the sheaf of first fruits, and I don't know if Ray Stedman actually brought that up to me, but I I equated I uh, yeah. his where he talks about the um, you know where the where when Jesus was resu- resurrected, then a number of Old Testament saints were also resurrected, mm-hmm. and and yes. I guess you could say floated around. <laughs> Jerusalem yeah, and they, appeared. They were, they were resurrected, came out of the grave, and they appeared to, uh, appeared to unto uh, many. citizens in, uh, unto many in Jerusalem, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he, you know, the fact, I guess then w- once we, we look at that and we say, okay, um, there's a, and I don't know if I'm going the direction you wanted on the Ray Stebbins thing, but we can get there. No, it's good. It's good. Uh, <laughs> it's good. Keep going. Um, the, the fact that uh, it appears that God has a plan to um, to fulfill the the feasts in in order just as he did the Passover with Jesus death and resurrection and and the feast of Pentecost mm-hmm. uh, at the birth of the church then the the feast of uh, the sheaf of first fruits was actually part of the Passover and um, that that's when and that was that I believe that the um, when Jesus appeared to his disciples and here and there, and these other Old Testament saints were appearing, that that together, mm-hmm. uh, Jesus all by himself, I don't think, makes a sheaf. But him and those those other guys, mm-hmm. uh, those Old Testament <laughs> yeah. saints, together mm-hmm. makes that yeah. sheaf. And that was that's the fulfillment of the sheaf of first fruits. Well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think then then uh, that same picture is is going to be uh, fulfilled in the in the in the entire church that same thing at the resurrection mm-hmm. then uh, very possibly and this is where Ray Stemmen does talk about this where um, Christians will have a ministry of uh, possibly to Israel and then to other people mm-hmm. whose hearts are ready. Uh, of mm-hmm. appearing to different during the tribulation, uh, during the tribulation, yeah. So that mm-hmm. that's where that comes in, and, and Ray Stebbins does talk about that. Right. Yeah. Again, the so idea that, that we're be, not not just in in our mansion in heaven, but that we're actually yeah. engaged. He actually talks about you know the image of the lightning as the lightning appears, you know, from the east to the west. I think it is that mm-hmm. um, you know that Christ appeared suddenly and then would disappear. Uh, and in his post-resurrection, that 40-day period, and that mm. that might, in fact, sort of an illustration of what might happen during the yeah. tribulation, and that the church may be involved in that kind of ministry to those that are coming to belief or that are in need of of, uh, of protection, and specifically, he gets into the you know the protection of the woman that's fled into the wilderness because there's this mysterious they in at the end of uh of revelation uh 12 verse 6 let me read that because this is really curious 
says uh, in verse uh, yeah, 12, 6, uh, then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her 1,260 days. Uh-huh. Who is the they? <laughs> yep, good question. Who is the they? Who is the they? Who is ministering to the woman in the wilderness? And uh, it's it would be suggested that it, it, in fact, is the male child that has been harpazoed to heaven but then, uh, in effect, is available to help provide comfort and protection to the woman, to the remnant that has fled to the wilderness during the last three and a half years. Yeah, and and which gives another reason to believe that the male child is more than just a one single person, but could be a company, right. male child company, right. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which yeah. As it turns out all three... Right. Yeah, in Revelation 12, and this is talked about by uh, Michael Schweigel, Schweigel of Dallas Seminary, um, and he was citing a number of, uh, of the older dispensationalists that taught the same, that the Revelation 12 passage is a, you know, is a rapture passage, that all three, that the, that the woman representing Israel, the male child representing the church, and the fiery red dragon representing, of course, the devil, um, that it's not just in the, an individual woman, an individual male child, an individual devil, but it's the, in effect, the, the corporate, you know, the woman is, is the corporate Israel or uh, Israel that is the remnant that's protected and, and uh, comes through the tribulation. The male mm-hmm. child is the corporate church, not just an individual, not just Jesus, but it's the body of Christ. And there, there's some really interesting things in Isaiah 66 which I'll reference here in a second. But then the, the dragon is is the devil and all of his angels, because in verse four it talks about his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them uh, you know threw them to the earth. And so you have in effect um, three corporate groups basically, not just individuals. What I was going to say about Isaiah 66, which has that passage in it about you know, can a nation be birthed in a day, which we, we normally see referenced where it talks of, you know, we're sort of talking about 1948, Israel becoming a nation in one day. If you follow the passage, there's a good chance that the nation that's created in a day is not just Israel, but it could be the church, that the church was conceived at Pentecost, but isn't born until... Um, it is resurrected. That's when it's really mm-hmm. born, and that throughout the the period of two thousand years we've been in labor. But what what I was going to point out in Isaiah sixty six that what the prophet is saying, which is intriguing when you read uh, verses seven and eight, is that the child is born before the woman goes into labor pains, and that's what it says. <laughs> And, and then, of course, the prophet exclaims, has anyone heard such a thing? You know, can a nation be born in a day? And so Schweigel talks about the sort of the gets into the Greek and the grammar and the fact that, um, well, it gets into sort of the, the, the adjective uh, modifying the noun, and it's a neuter, neuter adjective and a, and a male noun, um, you know, and, and yet that would be a grammatical mistake. In the, Hebrew, in the Greek, if that's what John meant to say. But what what uh, the theologians would say is that that was an intentional grammatical mistake because it was referencing the corporate nature of the nation 
uh, in Isaiah 66, not just an individual male child being born. So uh, this we talk about this in the book, and then um, I'm going to have an article that comes out, but it really references the Michael Schwegel, uh paper that, again, another thing that Gary introduced me to um, was, uh, was this whole account. So it's, uh, you know, I think it's pretty fascinating <laughs> that it gets that deep into the nature of what John was, was meaning when he was talking about this vision and his referencing of Isaiah 66. Yeah. Good. Does that make sense to you guys? There's silence on the other end. I'm <laughs> oh yes. I'm going, but I just I just lose everybody. Everybody going yeah. to sleep. Big <laughs> dinner. We chew in over your words. <laughs> well, it's all in the book. Okay, it's in the book. It's in the book. <laughs> the chapter. Let's see. What is it? The the all Israel all Israel shall be saved. What does it mean to say all Israel shall be saved? Yeah. The book is uh, covers so many subjects, and yet they're all threaded together by this common theme of of the meaning of the the resurrection and uh, the glorification of you know of the body of Christ, but also of the ultimate ultimately the unification of both the church and Israel in the New Jerusalem. Mm. <laughs> Am I? Am I dumbfounded, you guys? Questions? Questions? Yeah. <laughs> Are we done? I just, I just think we've I got think a fantastic future. <laughs> oh, we absolutely. Have a Isn't it amazing that in mm. the ages to come, God can continue to show the riches of his glory to us who to believe? And that's what the church needs to know. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Yeah, because we're looking yeah. at a lot of things. You know, so much of the church today is dealing with the the wonderful, uh, the riches of this world, the glory of this world, yeah. and yeah. that's the teaching. You know, of of the church today, it's you know, there's almost no teaching of the fact that whatever we have in this world today is but a shadow of you know what we will have in the ages to come. And uh, the more I, I read and study and learn about this myself, the more I think, gee, do Christians realize that this is the most amazing gift that God has given yeah. to us? Very and yet it's like about, yeah. we don't even act like we care, you know? And it's like, whoa, we need to, like, really understand this and really thank God for this incredible gift that he's willing to share with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, the I think that's why I love the internet. I'm sorry, Pam. I was say, that's why I love the internet because we can, it's sort of like Trump and his Twitter. We can go directly <laughs> to the people and bring them the teaching they need through the internet, mm. you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. To, the, to the remnant, at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. whose the ears are ready to hear. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You can't talk to the deaf and 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 uh, show things to the blind unless the ears have been opened and their eyes have been opened. Amen. And I think that's where prayer and intercession comes into its own. 
that the Lord will remove the scales from their eyes. I mean, the whole church yeah. went into yes. prayer and uh, the Apostle Paul got knocked off his eye horse. <laughs> and uh, another man yeah. were praying and uh, and the Lord says, go, on, go, go to him and pray for him. He says, hang on a minute, I've just been praying that you'll sort him out. He says, well, I have and I want you to go pray for him now. My paraphrase, of course. So he prayed for the man and, and the scales fell off his eyes. And here we have yeah, the Apostle yeah. Paul. Yep. I think that's marvellous, yep. that, because it always always uh, tickles me. The worse they are, when they're saved, the greater they end up being, because they're more appreciative mm. of what they've been saved from. And yeah, I don't think a lot, a lot of Christians today realise that, you know, what, what we've been saved from. And I think right. that's because there's a lot of false teaching in churches like I said, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Sheila Zelinsky puts it, you know and, and, and um, I, I, I wouldn't even like to do a quailism but you know, the happy clappy lot you know, live for now <laughs> and you know, you can have all your stuff now and mm-hmm. it's, right. com- it's complete BS and, and it really mm-hmm. angers yeah. you know that the, uh, we're being taught that the blessing of God is all material yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Prosperity. Not. Yeah, prosperity. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've learned. I've learned through the hard way that uh, by being without, that God can't meet a need, and if you've already got it, <laughs> he like he wants to meet your need when you need yeah. it. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know, you can't. You can't say, "Oh Lord, help me with this bill." If you've got money in bank. Right. But if you have food on table and you pray it in and, and and believe me, he provides within an hour. Mm. Uh, money in a tree, as my son found when we had no money for for a meal. Mm. Oh, wow. you know, yeah. Yeah. Back, my son found a found a five pound note stuck in the tree and he come running home with it. <laughs> and uh, and That's I ironed beautiful. it. I tried it and ironed it, went to shop and it bought our meals for that night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fabulous. Well, oh. you know, and that's that is the thing is that the Lord, you know, the Scott of the universe that is aware of everything that's happening everywhere in the universe, He's yeah. still aware of each of us and our lives, and uh, you know, and cares about each one of us as if as if we're the only one to care about. And yeah. uh, you know, that's what is so. You know, I can't figure that out. You know, <laughs> that knowledge is too too wonderful for me. It's beyond um, my grasp. We knew us in our mother's womb while our, 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 our being was being, while we were being created in our mother's womb, he knew us. Indeed, yeah. Psalm 139. Yeah. Well, my what wife and I had that etched on the inside of our wedding rings. Yeah. Yeah. Roz, you're quiet. What are you thinking about? What? Oh, oh, you don't know what I, you don't want to know what I'm thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> Are you thinking about fried chicken or you know? <laughs> no, just uh, just some off the wall stuff, you know, because I because you were saying about Adam and and how he yeah. fell, and I'm thinking, I wonder if if before now this has nothing to do with the price of eggs, so just go along with it. Um, sure, go ahead. Okay. Um, so. I wonder if that's why we don't use like the whole capacity, like our whole brain capacity, because that was lost. 
Yeah. I mean, does it make doesn't it make sense? Chuck yeah. Missler had, had expressed the that we don't. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm just agreeing. Uh, I, I think that she brought up yeah. a good point. I agree with her. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, a, I was going to say that Missler had uh, made the statement that that he believed, and this really follows from from the old uh, Saint Watchman Nee. The talk to him wrote a book called The Latent Power of the Soul. And I uh, believe that, that yeah. yeah, yeah, that after the fall that God, in effect, suppressed uh, some of our capabilities, some of our capacities, because in our sinful nature we could be too, we would be too destructive. Yeah. And, uh-huh. uh, and so, you know, we have mm-hmm. much, much more capacity that it sort of bleeds out in some people, right? They have these <laughs> sort of psychokinetic powers and and uh, whereas most of us, we should be thankful, don't have those uh, those issues to deal with. Yeah, and, and so I, I have to believe that that's part of what is uh, restored back to mm. yeah. uh, the mature Son of God when He's glorified yes. is is everything that that Adam lost. That's part of what Adam lost, and that will be restored. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, right. I agree. Good, I didn't ask a dumb question. <laughs> no, no, it's a, it's a great question. Yeah, so that's what I, I, I said somewhere in the book, and and I and Gary, let me say this, you know that uh, that 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 being uh, that the that the future capability, the future body that we have is is much like Superman, but Superman without the kryptonite. <laughs> right. I yeah, read that. The red in the book. <laughs> now that's that's vintage, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. You, you made that quote in the book, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, I coined that. Yeah, I coined that's what that. I thought. That's yeah. <laughs> that came from Blood Moon, didn't it, Doug? Might have. Yeah, I, I definitely pulled so. a number of things from from Blood Moon in the in the so-called deep dives. You know, one of the things we we uh, I'll mention in the deep about the deep dives we tried to do in the in the book was pull um, from some of the older scholars that you know like Pember you know wrote 130 years ago but then you have like a Austin Sparks and a Devon Fromke and these others that that wrote in the you know 1950s 1960s things like that and um, and then some others that wrote either earlier than that or later than that but try to bring to the awareness of the reader some of these of these older scholars that really have been ignored and their teachings have been sort of lost, you know, um, in our, you know, interest in the weird and the wacky. There's a lot of classical studies that were written about 50, 7,500 years ago that, uh, that all support this teaching that, um, you know, we've just neglected. And so we, Part of what we were trying to do was, was no pun intended, resurrect some of that material and, and put it in the book, you know, and uh, uh, just to familiarize people with it. Hey, these ideas aren't, you know, they're not necessarily unique to us. They're, they've been around. They've just been sort of underreported. You know, it's, uh, we sort of, as we said kind of at the outset of the book, it's like this is one of the most important yet undertaught uh, aspects of Bible prophecy is the, is the destiny of uh, of the saints and uh, the inheritance. You know, God has an inheritance. Christ has an inheritance in us, and then we have an inheritance in Him. 
and the scripture mm-hmm. uses both, as as Gary pointed mm-hmm. out to me once <laughs> in a discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he, do, he does say that greater things than than he did, we'll do. Yeah, mm. yeah. I say that. Uh, and it'll be beyond our imagination. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I watched uh, Charles Adam Spurgeon on YouTube, and he mm. was a simple guy from Sussex. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, that the, the Holy Spirit worked, worked through him because of his simplicity. And, yeah. and because he was prepared to step out of the way and let God um, work through him. Um, mm-hmm. And it was his simplicity that reached people. Just mm-hmm. as it was with the Methodist preacher that, that reached him with a simple message. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we, 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 we complicate things. And uh, we did mention the other week, you know, that, that uh, Jesus says unless you become as little children. Well, a, a childish faith don't question. It just believes. It just says it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think sometimes we lose that. And, and, and that's where we go down and we say, well, why is this happening? We're trying to, we, we tend to fret ourselves and we're trying to work mm-hmm. things out. And God's saying, look, just believe me, just trust me. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> Yeah. One, of the, one of the most popular great phrases thing. right now, I was say one of the popular phrases right now is "Don't overthink it." <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You give yourself an headache. <laughs> <laughs> you do. <laughs> I wonder why that's hard for people to grasp. People are so Just, so focused on present day and their life right now. Just to get, um, it's like, well, he just, he's there. How could you, I mean, I wasn't there when, when he, you know, um, rained manna from heaven. I mean, but, but I know he exists. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. It, I know. I think of things like that too, Oh, good, I'm not alone then. So many things in the Bible. You know, so many times in the Bible, different things that have come up. Just, it just popped in my head one of the passages in Corinthians where, uh, uh, I, I think it's in Corinthians. Yeah, it's in Corinthians, it's not in Hebrews, but it talks about how that, you know, that all of uh, the Israel, that, that when when Moses, you know, the, the children of Israel, that they were baptized you know, uh, and, and during the Exodus, they were baptized into Moses. They were baptized into the ocean. You know, it says that that in effect, that um, they were they drank from the same spiritual rock, and that rock was Christ. You know, which is interesting. How do you drink from a rock? Well, of course, Moses hit the rock, and the water gushed forth. But but it also says, despite the fact that they were baptized into all of these amazing miracles, it says, but. But they, you know, they fell away. And of course, Paul yeah. uses it, you know, talks about that, that 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 is, you know, as amazing as it was that they experienced all these things, they still didn't understand. They did not persevere in their belief. And he, and he uses that, of course, as a warning to the to Church of Corinth and to us that, you know, despite the fact that we can be we can be baptized into, immersed with. Uh, miracles and amazing things that it still gets down to, to 
being faithful and, and keeping our commitment yeah. and our you know and our, yeah. our our love for God and not losing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I th- I think that what the warning is this is similar to what happened to Lot's wife when they got pulled out and they were warned mm-hmm. not to look back. And mm-hmm. you know, and that's why Paul admonishes to forget those things which are behind and go and look forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like I think when we look back and that's where we get snagged when the enemy pulls us back to a past where we don't want to be in we were trying to that's press right. forward yeah so yeah I, I get that yeah. Yeah. Well, you know I was wondering yeah. if if the reason why they didn't believe is because they were still seeing through physical eyes and not spiritual eyes mm-hmm. because you, you have mm-hmm. to believe in the spiritual because that's what God is. He's spiritual. Mm-hmm. But right. you can't you can't just believe in a physical and not and well I what I'm trying to say is you, you gotta believe in the both. They they have to come together. You can't mm-hmm. just be one sided. You know what I mean? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, I think, you know, and, about miraculous bread and then they get tired yeah. of it. Go ahead, I'm sorry. They they got brought out of Egypt, but Egypt didn't get taken out of them. Uh, yeah, I've there heard that know. before. Well, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. We want to go back. We want to go back to slavery. Yeah. We still yeah. had something to eat. Yeah, but the it's girl, all yeah. you. You gotta you gotta separate your flesh. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Pam. You 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 have to you have to understand what you, your flesh is. Saying to you, um, and it took me years to figure this out because yeah. I—it's almost like I can separate the two. Um, when the mm. flesh is wanting something and the spirit doesn't, you know what I mean? It, it's really yeah. weird. I, I don't know yeah. if it's because of my loss, yeah. but it's—it's it's like um, their their physical was so burdened and, and and done the same thing over and over again forever. So it was it was almost like it was still yearning for that depression, that suppression or oppression I should say. Mm-hmm. Um that you know, it in their in their spirit maybe wanted to be going in the opposite direction, but their flesh took over and wanted what they were used to. It's kinda of like a woman who's beaten. That's mm. all she knows. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Well, it's yeah. like the, the it, old adage about like the devil you know versus the devil you don't. You know, at least yeah. it's predictable. Yeah, fear of the fear of the unknown and and fear is the opposite of faith. It is. Right. It really yep. is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we do. We we do like we do like the familiarity, uh, the predictability. Uh, change is yeah. always a threat, and uh, so I think that is a very normal human tendency. Yeah. And, uh, you can't control you know, change, can you? So no, I think it's that's very difficult. But how could you not? Wanna, but how would you not? How could because I was having this conversation the other day with some folks, and the the one gal, she's she's older, and she was, but but this, you know, I love my life, I love being here, but it's like, but this is not your home, you know. You have to look forward to, hey, I look forward to hanging out with the Lord. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, I look forward to that, and but it, it it took me a while to understand that you know this isn't all what it's about hear and what we see and what we feel what we mm-hmm. have, you know, and all those worries. Um, and and it's 
she just didn't understand. She couldn't separate the, or differentiate between the two. You know what I mean? Because sure. it wasn't well, ex- it gets, as an experience. And I think because gets, of the dream I had years ago where I was in God's presence and and uh, I asked myself while I was there, I was like, why don't I... Why don't I care what happens on earth and and um just for the I just didn't care anymore. It's not that I didn't care about the people, it's just it, it wasn't there for me to care. I didn't have what the flesh brought with me, you know? Mm-hmm. A lot of people that die and come back say the same thing. You know that. They've been in in front of the glory of God and they don't want to return. This is things I've read. Right. I don't know if they're true or not, but this is what I've read. You know, yeah. so, but they don't, they don't want to reach either. But I like, yeah. I, I like living, so I'll, I'll keep yeah. going until I get called on home. Yeah. Yeah. Henry Grover's testimony is amazing. He refused yeah, to turn yeah. around. He watched. <laughs> I said, no, I want to go back. <laughs> yeah. I think his, his testimony is absolutely amazing. Now that's that is a common testimony though for those that have gone, um, yeah. you know, have gone into the heavenlies, I guess you could say, um, and uh, I, I guess even, you know, Paul sort of alludes to a little bit when he says, you know, it's like I'd rather go ahead and, and go to, back to heaven, but you know, for your sake, I need to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I still I still can't figure out the mystery as to why I was there. In a pink bunny suit, no less. Um, in a <laughs> and um, <laughs> and all that. I I have I I didn't die. I mean, I I still don't get why I I was there, and I st- I wrote it down. I mean, I just don't understand why I was given that. I I, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad. I'm, I'm thankful. I just don't understand why. Maybe it's just to, to give a testimony to others. I I, I don't know. Maybe it's we'll know how to, we'll to find Ross. <laughs> the big bunny suit. <laughs> you know what? I watch a Christmas story way too much, and that's where it came exactly. from. Exactly. <laughs> They're Ralphie. They're going to kill Ralphie. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. We are at the two-hour mark, guys. It is. What's it? We should we should probably wrap because my wife uh, needs a little bit of my moral support tonight. She's uh, she's had a hard day, so I should probably uh, <laughs> we should probably bring it to a close. What what else could we share with you to uh, sort of wrap this up in a nice way? Just. Yeah. Well, we'll tell you how to get the book. How about that? Yes, that's what I was getting ready to say. Why not? You know, this would be good capitalist. At the end of the day, no, the book has just recently been released, and um, it's called The Revealing, Unlocking Hidden Truths on the Glorification of God's Children. It's available through Amazon. Uh, both uh, in print copy as well as it's on Kindle now, so it's available there. And Pam, I would be would be Gary and I'd be very pleased to send you a PDF. Uh, are you able to work with that and read that? Oh yes, thank you very much. That yeah, would be wonderful. That, I, 
if you could sure. send me um, your email, um, and you, maybe you've seen my email, but it's you can send a note to Doug at DougWoodward.com, and that that will yeah. that will work. And uh, we'd be happy. We we just ask that you don't share it all with all your friends and your family. So um, oh, no, I'll just because it's not, it. it's not copy protected, but but we'd we'd be <laughs> very pleased to share it with you. And um, but anyway, so the the book's available. Um, we are we've done a number of interviews that haven't come out yet. Um, that um, and we will be doing many many more. And uh, and then uh, Gary, you have created a website, and we'll start populating that with information. And mm-hmm. what what's that website, by the way? What's it That's called? That's a very what's good the, question. Let's see if it's I can find it here. Called revealing something, it's isn't called, it? Yeah, it's called. The-revealing.com. The-revealing.com, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's kind of empty right now, but we'll be populating that, and then you can find um, things. My website, you can just look it up through doomsdaydug.com. I I picked that out in part just so it'd be easier for people to remember, and um, but the actual website is faith-happens.com. But either one will get you there, and then um, you know, and I write articles and post stuff once or twice a week and you also have a Facebook page, uh, you know, Facebook slash S dot Douglas dot Woodward. And, um, so that, that can work as well. So anyway, we, yeah. we really appreciate the opportunity to, to get to visit with you all and hope that, that thank this you. has been somewhat helpful. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, very much to follow you on Facebook. <laughs> I'm sorry, what Pam? I'll have to follow you on Facebook. <laughs> Oh, will you please do and send me a note and say, yeah. hey, this is Pam. Remember me? I'm I'm the Yorkshire person. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right. Thank so. you both very much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Oh, or yeah. we, we, we really appreciate your time. It was fun. Yeah. Good. Yes, it was. I, we had a good time, too. Yeah, it was good. Time. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, I'm sorry, what? I said I'm halfway through your book, but I'm enjoying oh, well, it. Please feel free to send me an email, and, and any and all of you that that um, can listen or that are listening and can write a little review for us, that helps us immensely uh, oh, because sure. that's really what helps sell books or people that like the book and recommend it to others. And so, um, My favorite part so far is the tabernacle, your explanation of the tabernacle. There's more and that's 100% Gary. It's 100% Gary. He did great, great work there. That was great. Great, great Thank job. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, ladies, thank you so much. Dorothy, Roz, Pam. It's, is it Ronnie? Uh-huh, Ronnie. Yeah, great. I got you all, I think. Anyway, thank you, guys. <laughs> thank you. Thank Stay you. Thank you very much. Questions and good night. All right. Roz, talk I'm to glad. me soon. Call me. I will. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night, Good night. everyone. Good night. God bless. And God bless you. Good night, Pam. God bless. Good night, John Boy. <laughs> 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 I'll be happy to do that. Perfect. Good night, everyone. Father bless. We'll catch you next time at the table. Good night. Good night.